All right, here's the deal. This is what we're working with in this Airbnb in Mexico. Number one, the acoustics are awful. Everything echoes. I can't do anything about it. So y'all, we're just gonna have to make do. Unless I wanna jam myself in the tiny little closet that's available, but I feel like even that's probably gonna be echoey. What is good is that the master bedroom has a full-length mirror right in front of the bed. You know, just how she likes it. So I can sit here and conveniently stare at myself just like I never left home. On the same front, another negative is that Phil and I are working in this apartment on opposite ends. So... We're going to do our best and try to drown out his phone calls and his meetings that you may or may not hear in the distant, distant background, but I just try to keep it really real with you because that's just, that's what we're working with. I'm not going to pretend like I'm in a studio set up or I've got my shit together all the time. This is where it's at. I've literally got four suitcases spread out across the floor, dirty laundry in a pile, and I'm just happy as a clam that I get to talk to you a little bit about my travels before we dive into today's topic, which I'm super excited about. So I don't even know where to begin, but let's begin. Sidebar, this is going to be a fun game of like, where's the Easter egg? Like, do I hear Phil in the background? Don't I hear Phil in the background? Is that email echoing? I don't know. Uh, so enjoy the next couple months <laughs> of the podcast because shit's going to get interesting. Anyway, let's jump to our travels. So here's how it started out. We got to the airport well in advance uh, in Jersey. And so we had plenty of time to just like, you know, get through security uh, get something to eat, whatever, whatever, whatever. When we finally got on the plane, uh, it was delayed, which is fine. We were already getting in pretty late, but it was delayed. And there was one flight attendant who was just so angry at the fucking world. When I tell you, I thought that there was going to be a, like a, a, a Twitter worthy situation on my flight. That is definitely what I thought was about to happen. This male flight attendant was, let me put it this way. You need, you need your mask on a plane. Okay. Now when you're eating and drinking, you can pull it down. The person sitting in front of us in the row in front of us was eating and drinking and he pulled the mask down and I guess he paused in between what he was doing and this male flight attendant walked over and in I swear to God, the biggest, pissiest attitude ever was like, you need to wear a mask. Pull your mask up right now. It needs to cover your nose, over your nose right now. If I come back here one more time and your mask is down, just take this as my first warning because the second warning is you're getting written up. And Phil and I just like slowly glance at each other. So the remainder of the flight, like if our mask like drip dropped a little bit below our nose, I was like yanking his up. I was like, I'm not getting yelled at by this guy. And then I leaned into Phil and I go, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And he goes, don't do anything. And I'm like, no, no, no. If I happen to pass this flight attendant on my way off this plane, I'm just going to 
kill him with kindness. And he goes, that's a good plan. Or you could just steer clear of him. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to do it. But if I happen to walk past him, I'm going to diffuse his anger with my kindness. And he was like, okay, good luck with that. So anyway, I didn't walk past him and he really didn't make a big fuss about too much else. He snapped and shouted about a few things at other flight attendants. And I was just like, God, you are miserable to work with, but also like, what's troubling you, sir? Do you want to sit down next to me and have a conversation? Because I am a safe space and I'm here to listen. If she's anything, she is consistent. So I was more than happy to take it on and be like, I can help you. But also he was not asking for help. And additionally, I I get like conflict IBS as we've talked about. And nobody wants to have the shits on like a six hour flight to Mexico. Just saying. Otherwise, what the flight taught me is number one, she has not flown in a long while. Number two, she has a really hard time sitting still. I get so antsy. I get so antsy. And there was in-flight entertainment like for free through the United app. So I'm sitting there and uh, <laughs> the the seats had chargers, but it weren't they weren't USB chargers. And all I had like on hand in my personal bag under the seat was my USB charger, the actual wall charger was up above and I wasn't going to cause a fuss to get it. So I'm like, okay, low power mode, whatever, whatever. I'm trying to like savor the battery while simultaneously watching Spencer. I don't know if you've watched Spencer. I think it's on Netflix. Um, I believe it's on Netflix. Uh, Kristen, Kristen Stewart plays Princess Diana. She's good, but I've watched so much Princess Diana stuff, guys, that uh, it's redundant at this point. Like, I know you struggled feeling like valued within this family unit. I know you had marital troubles. I know you had an eating disorder. Like, I know all these things. Those are not spoiler alerts. You could watch The Crown or you could Google her name and find that out. So I don't know what came over me, but I was like, yeah, I love the royal family. Like, I love watching stuff like that. And thought that because usually those films are slower, it would carry me through the majority of the flight. Well, I couldn't even make it through that. I got like an hour in. I had another hour and a half to go. My phone started to die, and I was just like, I quit. I give up and shut it down and then was super antsy the rest of the flight like could not I don't sleep on airplanes it's very uncomfortable my body was hating me and then was shouting for Barbara like secretly like where is my massage therapist she is not here she will not be here for months I am up Shit's Creek without a paddle which by the way that I never realized that Shit's Creek the show was up Shit's Creek. Like, I didn't make that connection until not that long ago. <laughs> kind of like the whole assume thing. You may get an, make an ass out of you and me. Like, it's literally spelling the word. I might be a little slower than we all think. I am extremely emotionally intelligent and maybe just like slightly stupid when it comes to like basic knowledge. But yeah, Phil can sleep anywhere. Like, 
that's like it, it runs in Phil's blood. Like his entire family is like that. I make jokes. I'm like, you're a little narcolect narcoleptic because he can fall asleep anywhere. It doesn't. So he just falls asleep. But he's also the sweetest man on the planet because even when he's asleep, I, my antsy, anxious self at times, will talk to him. And he always answers <laughs> like that's and his mom's like that's love and it doesn't matter it could be in the middle of the night and we're in our own bed and i will just roll over and say something to him and he always answers me i, I swear god it's the sweetest thing ever so sometimes i'm not even sure if he's sleeping or if he's just resting his eyes as my mother always told me said, i'm not sleeping i'm just resting my eyes it, shut up cheryl you are asleep but regardless kindest human in the world and so while he attempted to sleep during the flight i was attempting to respect his respective sleep while not being able to because i just kept chatting with him i don't shut up like that's the problem my brain doesn't stop and my mouth doesn't stop and i've been told this my entire life which is why we made this podcast to begin with because it was like oh here's another outlet for you to not shut up on and maybe it will allow you to have less to say <laughs> day to day to the people in your actual life. No, it doesn't. I, I have tons of things that I think about and tons of things to talk about. I'm never without words. If I am without words, you know there's something wrong with me. With that said, we're about a day and a half into Mexico and we've done tons of walks. I've already had a ton of tacos some really spicy some very unique like an avocado taco very interesting i just had that for lunch super good everything is beautiful here everything is beautiful here i don't know if i'm gonna want to come home <laughs> and i'm only a day and a half in no but for real i mean I'll, i will be coming home but i'm i'm grateful for this opportunity because i know that not everybody has has a chance or is fortunate enough to be able to work for themselves or work remote and just pack up and leave the country for several months, which is what we've done. And so it's going to be good. You're going to hear a lot about our little adventures and and things that I'm thinking about, as always, things that I'm working through, as always. But why don't we get into the 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 deep part of the episode the deep shit yeah and today that's gonna be really kind of diving into where our wounds develop and the reason I want to talk about this is for a couple of reasons number one it's really misunderstood by a lot of people especially those who really dive into self-help books and personal development and try to figure this stuff out themselves you know they often go by the title of like self-healers or, or trying to self-heal themselves. Um, self-healing is possible. Getting support to heal is possible. I, I don't even like the word heal these days because I feel like everybody's got a diff different definition. I think I mentioned this in a previous episode because truly you would think that, or at least I think when I hear the word heal or healing or healed, sorry, healed, it sounds like the problem is gone. <laughs> oh, silly people. No, like that's where it, it really contradicts 
the other thing that I always say, which is emotional healing is very layered. So, you know, healing is really an ongoing process. You heal belief systems, you heal patterns, but new ones come to the surface. So healing is an okay word if it's used within the context and and it has the understanding of you don't get to a destination. Like there's not an end point. Will your people-pleasing patterns eventually be less than what they are now or be fully gone? Uh, You have the ability to choose to do them or not. Like that's always going to exist. It's just when you know better and you understand more, you do better, right? So when you have more information and you have a clear understanding and you have more coping tools, then you know how to function differently. But it's always going to be a choice. So are you ever really healed from pain? I don't know. It's subjective. And it's really dependent on how you want to understand healing and the process of healing and look at it. I would say the way I look at it is I kind of remove the word healed from it and I just... I work through what presents itself in real time as it comes up for me. And so I I learn more and I work through a pattern. I process some painful information and then I take the next steps forward. I don't put a label on it, but we have to put a label on it sometimes to talk about it, right? Or to promote it or, you know, market it or whatever, whatever, whatever. So not to confuse you, but that's where I'm at on that. So I want to talk a little bit about where our wounds begin and how to really work through them in a, in a, in a productive way, in a successful way, because I think there is a lot of misunderstanding around the work that you do to move through unhealthy, negative, harmful patterns in your life, changing relationships from being toxic to supportive and mature and healthy i think there's a misunderstanding in what does that inner work really look like right you hear a lot of people say do the work what is the work a lot of people have a giant question mark there and i want to kind of break it down for you my way because I know that resonates with you, but I also know I'll give it to you in a very easy to digest sort of explanation where a lot of you, I I can, I'll say at minimum 10, there's a lot, way, way more, way more of you listening, but I'm going to, I'm just going to be, you know, modest here. At minimum, there will be at least 10 individuals who listen to this episode and go, oh my God. God, and then you work through something really, really heavy that changes something significantly in your life. So not a competition, just saying that I know that's going to happen for a good chunk of you, if not more. Okay, so when you get triggered by something, a lot of you think you're triggered by the thing in the present moment. And that is true, partially true. Something in the present moment is activating a belief system that you carry or some trauma in your body, some type of 
emotion that you're uncomfortable with or have yet to reconcile or address. So yes, you're triggered by something in the present, but it, but to work through the trigger, to illuminate the trigger, it truly has nothing to do with the present moment. And this is where everybody gets stuck. So when you're in the midst of a trigger and you want to blame the person, that activated it. You want to blame the situation. And then you talk about the situation or you talk about the person or you go to therapy or you come to someone like me and we talk about the real time events taking place that can be helpful, that provides you some value in working through and and processing this. But the only reason we do that a lot of the time is because You're not quite yet comfortable or honest enough with yourself yet to go back to the beginning of where this trigger was created in the first place, which is in those first few years of your life during childhood. Now, what happens is I get a lot of people sometimes who are like, I I have a great relationship with my parents or I had a wonderful childhood, Amy. I have nothing negative to say about it. Why are you looking for problems in my life? And it's like, that's not what's happening here, okay? You could have the most amazing, supportive, loving parents and still have developed belief systems that are harmful or detrimental to some degree in your life. And the reason that is, is because a lot of the time, It's not always coming directly at you from your parents. It could be something you're witnessing. It could be something you're overhearing. It could be an environment that's outside of the home that you frequent, like daycare, like school, like church, like grandma and grandpa or an aunt and uncle or a babysitter or a nanny or a cousin or a neighbor down the street. And so a lot of you get stuck in the trigger happening in the present and don't or are not quite ready yet to address where that began in the first place. And so then you wonder, once you've maybe applied the boundaries with the situation that's staring you in the face, and you know, you perhaps have reconciled some of the emotions that came from this triggering experience in the present moment, you wonder well, why did it happen again a week later with someone else? Or why does this emotion not leave me? Or why am I still ruminating on this, Amy? Or what is wrong with me? And the truth is, is that you're not getting to the root of it. Sometimes you address that specific context, that specific situation that brought all the stuff up for you. But A week later, a couple days later, even an hour later, with that same person, something else happens and you just can't figure it out and you wonder why it doesn't stop or why you can't stop or is it just them or is it just you like, how do you resolve it? I hope you're with me here because a lot of you come and you start sharing with me these stories about where you're struggling and you want to talk about the real-time situations, which we do because they're important to address, they're important to validate. But unless we go backwards, unless we go back to the beginning, unless we really start to connect the dots to make sense where this belief 
developed or where this pattern of behavior developed, then it's still going to exist inside of you in some way, shape, or form. And so let me give you a personal example so you can connect a little bit more to what the hell I'm saying because what the hell I'm saying right now might seem a little bit distant or a little bit foreign to you because you're kind of like, what the fuck is she trying to convey to us? Well, here's the deal, right? Like, let's say you've got major trust issues in the present moment within your relationships. And let's say that you can easily connect and be like, well, I've been cheated on in the past or I've had friends lie to me or whatever, whatever. I've had bad past experiences in my adult years. So of course, Amy, I have trust issues here because they happened a few years ago and they happened here, right. But that is not where it started. So yeah, we could waste our time addressing all of these things throughout your adult years that are still ongoing, or we could go back a little bit further to where it all began and look at where did the trust issue actually begin, right? And so let's say when you finally decide that you're comfortable enough doing that, because number one, what does it take to do that? It takes a safe space. And sometimes, and this is why I don't discourage self-healing, but I do encourage asking for support, especially with somebody who knows how to like talk to you and supply you with the knowledge or the insight or the coping tools in those really, really heavy triggering moments. Because when you're by yourself, you have to have the capacity to feel the ugly emotions, think the ugly thoughts, not trigger yourself more, and somehow find a way out of that black hole that you've been sitting in for X amount of years. And that's not always easy. And it's not always doable when you sit down and you open a bunch of books written by a bunch of different authors who have a bunch of different processes that got them to where they are in life. It doesn't mean that their process doesn't work. It means how do you know which is gonna resonate with you if you're dipping your toe in everybody else's way and you're not sitting down actually figuring out the way that's gonna be unique and authentic to you. I've got a lot to say today. So when you finally do sit down, you have to A, be comfortable and prepared mentally, emotionally, and physically to feel whatever is gonna come up for you to acknowledge it, to validate it, to talk about it because things not talked about are things that cannot be addressed or healed. You have to be able to acknowledge the things that hurt you. And then you also then have to to be willing and open to changing the belief or changing your behavior pattern, which might also mean some of the dynamics of other relationships might have to change. And on top of that, you're going to have to then forgive yourself, forgive other people that might have started this whole pattern of behavior or belief in the first place. So there's a lot that comes with it, which is why a lot of people would rather just stay in the present, venting and harping on the shit that is hurting them, blaming it on other people, calling them names, giving them titles, diagnosing them with things and saying, no, Amy, you don't understand what the hell you're talking about. This person's just this and this person's just this. And you don't know enough about this topic because you said I could actually have a relationship with them. But really, 
really, I just have to block them and get rid of them. No, you do that sometimes because you don't want to work through something. Now, there are other contexts where you do it because you have a clear intent and understanding this person is behaving in a way that is disrespectful and they've demonstrated after I've communicated they're unwilling to respect me. Two different contexts. So back to my point, can't see me, but I'm violently waving my hands around because I talk with them a lot. You have to be willing to do all of those things. And once you do, let's go back to the trust issue example that I'm talking about. So you got trust issues in the present. And then you can pinpoint some other shit that's pretty obvious to you along the way. But where did the trust issue begin? And when let's say you reflect on your childhood experience and you're like, I don't know the connection, Amy. Like, I don't, my, my parents didn't cheat on me. So, so I have trust issues because boyfriends or girlfriends cheated on me. No. <laughs> no, that reaffirmed it for you. Okay. But that's not where it started. Because it's not so black and white. A trust issue doesn't just have to be someone cheated on you. A trust issue can start from inconsistency in your childhood. It can start from witnessing, let's say, your parents uh, not being honest with people in their life, not being able to carry honest conversations, not being able to address their emotions. So maybe they said one thing to somebody's face and then shit-talked them behind their back. That can breach trust. When you witness that or you're exposed to that or you're in the midst of that in your younger years, then what you've just witnessed is mom and dad are not honest. I can't believe them. I don't feel safe that they'll tell me the truth. What does that equate to? A lack of trust. So a few key takeaways up until now of from what I've just explained to you. Number one, When you're working through triggering moments in your life, keep in mind that what's triggering you in the present to work through the trigger, you got to look far, 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 far in the past. Truly, you want to address what's in the present, but truly it's not coming from the present. It's just showing you again in real time something that you have yet to acknowledge and address from a long time ago. Number two, You have to be prepared if you're going to address these things to provide yourself a safe space and have the tools or equip yourself with the tools to be able to feel the uncomfortable emotions and get yourself out of that dark hole. The reason that we get stuck in triggers is often because we're scared to ask for help. We're scared to acknowledge the painful emotions and actually feel them. And we don't know how to do it ourselves. That's why God made other people. Again, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. The universe made other people to help you, to supply that knowledge for you. It's got to speak to you. It's unique to you. So again, find the people that speak the language that resonates with you, whether it's me or somebody else. I don't give a shit. I don't care if you don't like the way I do it, then go to somebody else. But the point is, is that somebody's got to be able to guide you using the language that makes sense to you. It's kind of like I'm in Mexico right now. Do I speak Spanglish? Oh my God. Oh, Evie, get it together. Do I speak? Yes, I speak Spanglish. Do I speak Spanish? Mm, Piquito. Uh, barely any. No, I have a translator app on my phone and I translate words and then I 
listen to Phil and Phil speaks more than me, but Phil's not necessarily fluent. So we're doing the best we can. Needless to say, the other key takeaway is that you need to be able to separate the present from the past. Now, here's the breakdown for you. You internalized a past event or a past belief system, something that was told to you, something that was shown to you, something that you witnessed, overheard, whatever, 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 okay? You internalized it. You then made it your belief system. This is how you behave. This is how you function. These are the types of people you lean into. Cut to present day scenarios and you're realizing, ooh, this gives me anxiety. This is scary. This is fearful. This, my body doesn't like, I have trauma here, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's the trigger indicating to you that a long time ago you internalized something. Something happened to you or around you that you then took on in your person, okay, and brought it with you into everyday life. And so, no, you weren't aware of it at the time. You didn't realize you internalized it. If you were aware you were internalizing something, you clearly would have never internalized it. Cut to that middle period of your life between now, present day, where you're becoming aware of something and when it began. Well, you were just doing what you knew how to do. This is how I function. This is how I relationship. This is how I communicate, whatever, whatever, whatever. You don't realize, maybe you've got weird ways of coping, weird ways, that's my very professional way of saying, unhealthy ways or, you know, uh, unique ways, manipulative ways, toxic ways of coping with what you once internalized. Like, if we go back in time for me, like I once would drink a lot in college, that that allowed me to feel more confident, that allowed me to be more authentic, be more free in expressing things that I was thinking or feeling or whatever. But I was masking insecurities by doing that. I was suppressing, I was repressing, I was doing all that was just a band-aid. But I didn't realize that at the time because what did we do? We look at the present day scenario, the context of it, and we go, well, she's in college. A lot of people go to college and they just like, suddenly have freedom and they drink and everybody else is drinking so it's fine it's not that big of a deal don't overanalyze it but the truth is I left college my my environment changed I no longer drank like that and what still existed under the surface were all of those insecurities that I was able to mask and to a lot of you you go well I don't know what happened to me I once was really confident and now I'm not er, wrong no you were never confident. It, it doesn't leave you. you. You were never it. You understand? You internalized something long before. So maybe you had ways of overcompensating that made you think or feel that you were confident. But all of these things that you once internalized happened a very long time ago. Anything that happened in the in-between stages of your life just reaffirmed what was already set in stone back then. The seeds were already once planted. Again, you didn't have to have a toxic, abusive childhood or parents to develop these belief systems. That is misinformation. When I break down information, I say, you know, you, if you're an adult child who functions this way, that means that you probably had a child that looked 
or childhood that looked this way. What I'm trying to help you understand by removing certain labels of like codependency or people pleasing or abusive parents or even adverse childhood environments can trigger people sometimes. What I'm trying to do in explaining the behavior pattern is to help you actually awaken and become aware of what started some shit for you a long time ago. All right. So once you get to the present and you realize, ooh, I'm noticing a pattern in, in my emotional state, in my mental state, in my behaviors, in my relationships, in my communication style, I'm noticing a pattern that I don't like. What normally has to happen is you've got to hit a wall. Either it's got to hurt enough or someone's not enabling you anymore and they're for this is just an expression holding you to the to the fire i think that's the expression but someone will correct me if it's not right they're basically saying you can no longer behave this way if you want me in your life or this cannot go further right that's them not enabling you but they're also holding you to a standard where they're not going to abandon you they're just saying hey figure this out cuz this hurts me too And that's normally when you're backed into that corner in some way, shape, or form, that is then where you then will sit down and go, I am left no other choice. I've got to face these emotions. And that happens for like 90% of people. 90% of people have to get backed into that corner, myself included at times. Myself included at times. You have to get backed into that corner in some capacity to then be like, okay, I got to sit down and feel this stuff. I've got to address it. I've, I've actually got to look at this. So let's go back to that trust example real quick before I wrap up this episode for you and, and, and hope that you take away from this an understanding of whatever is the thing right now that you are repeating in your life that you don't like, whether it's a relationship pattern, a communication pattern, you're tolerating something that you don't like from yourself to yourself, from other people to you, whatever it is. My hope is in explaining how this works, you're able to not wait until you're backed into that corner on this particular issue and sit down and just bloop, look behind you for a second long ago and understand what you internalized to make this pattern start happening because when you do that what will transpire and this is me wrapping up the episode by the way because I like to connect everything for you what will transpire is you realizing what you internalized long ago never belonged to you to begin with you took it on you embodied it You functioned with that belief system and you felt uncomfortable because it never belonged to you to begin with. Somebody else planted the seed in you. It wasn't yours. You didn't plant the seed within you and you didn't choose it. You took it on. You accepted it because maybe you were like, oh, they know better. Or maybe they told you they knew better. Or maybe you were just like, well, they're my parents, or they're my babysitter, they're my grandma, or they're my grandpa, or they're my pastor, or my preacher, or my whatever. So you took it on, you accepted it as a truth, not your truth. And then you tried to live in a world with it as a truth for you, or th- telling yourself it's your truth. But it wasn't your truth, it was their truth, a truth. It didn't belong to you. That's what internalizing is. 
So what you need to do is when you're in the present and it triggers you, you have to sit down and recognize what is triggering you doesn't belong to you. And when you recognize that that behavior pattern, like the trust example I gave you, that behavior pattern of mom and dad showing you that they don't know how to communicate honestly, they don't know how to address their feelings or set boundaries, so they're nice to somebody's face, but they shit talk behind their back, and all they do is complain, 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 and you took that, that, And you maybe replicated it, but you also developed a belief of like, I can't even trust the people that are raising me. And now you took it into your relationships and you leaned into relationships where you at first were like, this feels familiar. They're not always honest. Maybe the way they display it is you hear them complaining about other people close to them, to you, not you. But if they're complaining about other people to you, they're also complaining about you to other people. And then you realize, oh, okay, wait, now now maybe I figured that out and I've got better people, but I don't even trust them. They're showing me that they're good. They're showing me they're trustworthy. They're showing me they're honest and I don't even trust them. What's wrong with me? Well, yes, you are the common denominator in all these situations, but if we go back in time here, Who set that example? It's not the person standing in front of you in present day, normally, unless we're dealing with parental relationships. It's not them. It's not your current spouse or significant other that caused it. The lack of trust within you towards yourself and then projected onto other people started with those core foundational relationships from way back when. Now, as always, let me just leave you with a disclaimer here that is not at all saying that there are people presently in your life that you need to address issues with, that you need to establish new boundaries with, that may or may not be healthy or supportive for you. But what I'm saying is the actual trigger, the root of the problem, like, Hey, Amy, why do I keep struggling to trust so-and-so who's never displayed any type of behavior that would lead me to not trust them? Well, the trust issue, the root of it, started way before so-and-so came into your life. Or, Amy, why do I have this pattern of leaning into relationships with individuals who are extremely controlling. The person in my life present day is extremely controlling, right? That can be true. But why, where did the pattern begin? Like, how do you actually address the pattern? Because even if you address the issue with the person in your life presently, The pattern will still be there. So you're always going to have to address the root of the issue. And the root of the issue came from a long time ago. In order to establish a new belief now that the internalized pain has caused you to believe otherwise, that internalized pain has to be acknowledged. So you have to go back and look at where it started. So that is always those key 
environment, those core, I like to say core foundational environments. That's the environments that you frequented. That doesn't always mean the home. That doesn't always mean just mom, dad, and if you had siblings, that might mean grandma, grandpa. That might mean daycare. That might mean church. That might mean a neighbor's house. That might mean school. You gotta look at those important relationships that were the closest to you, that were the most significant to you, and look at what was either taught to you, shown to you, said to you, or that you overheard and you witnessed them doing with other people or each other in your presence. (sighs) That was a lot. That was a lot. You might have to listen, maybe not twice, maybe like three or four times to really understand, grasp it, digest it, and assimilate to what I'm saying. But if you do, and you take this information and you start to utilize it, I promise you, You will work through those root issues and your experiences in present day will become much lighter and much easier and much quicker to move through. Okay? Well, I'm off to eat some more tacos, but we'll chat soon. Till next week, take care.